0: While in high school, Wendy Pfeiffer won a contest and was brought on to do a research project at NASA. It was the first time she was exposed to computers, and she fell in love with the technology. From there, Wendy slowly grew into a career in tech, and now serves as the CIO of Nutanix. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Wendy explains what her role entails and how she works with peers in the industry to make business more efficient through the use of hybrid cloud, and she talks about the highs and lows of working with a net promoter score. Enjoy this episode. IT Visionaries is created by the team at Mission.org and brought to you by Salesforce. Did you know that Salesforce isn't just for sales? Using Salesforce as an employee experience platform helps make every employee across your organization more productive thanks to a common mobile-first platform for getting work done faster. Find out more at salesforce.com slash employee experience.
1: Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And we have in the Nutanix HQ here in sunny San Jose. Wendy, how's it going?
2: I'm doing great. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. It's uh, going to be a really exciting conversation. We're going to get into all things your IT background, But first, how did you get into technology in the first place?
2: Well, uh, many years ago, back when God was a boy <laughs> and wore short pants, and I got accepted to work on a research project at NASA Ames Research Center. And while I was there, I didn't make much progress on the research project, but I got to work on computers for the first time. And these were large scale computers, really uh, sort of exciting, nerdly things. Um, super, super cool. And I left there having a love for technology and a love for computers. And uh, then I had to try to figure out how to get to, to work on them again. And again, uh, I am I am so old <laughs> that there were not computer science programs in school. Uh, the very first personal computers were coming out. So it took a bit of a journey to realize that um, there could be a career in tech focused on working on you know, high-tech computer systems, uh, but I got there.
1: So flash forward to today. What is the scope of your role uh, as CIO here at Nutanix?
2: So at Nutanix, I'm responsible for our global technology implementation that supports our business and our employees. So everything from the applications that enable our business to run to the tools that employees use to do their jobs like laptops and desktops, I'm responsible for our global data centers. And uh, we were recently a company that manufactured hardware. So we have a lot of hardware around that's running and also our uh, web product operations. So we uh, also make products that uh, scale and run in the cloud. So uh, just sort of a mix of things, um, mostly technology, mostly business enablement. On the other side of the job is uh, a function that's around customer success. And so Nutanix makes a product that we sell to IT departments like mine, and um, the leaders of those departments are my peers. Yeah. And so in the technology sector, and the technology industry, I'm responsible for executive relationships and customer success for folks who are using and deploying our products inside of their IT organization.
1: Yeah. And we've had, um, a lot of CIOs who also, you know, work with CIOs, uh, you know, like Paul Chapman from box and Alvina from Zora and and places like that. Um, and it's always a fun conversation because you're such a tight peer group.
0: Yeah. I know them all. (laughs)
1: Yeah, of course. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And so the conversations behind closed doors are we, uh, you know, talking about this and that, and then they're saying, oh, and then we also, we have an implementation call tomorrow, uh, where we we put on our work face. Um, So I'm curious like, you know, what is it what do you hear from other CIOs as the problems that they have when they when they come to you and and are potentially talking about, you know, working with you at, at Nutanix?
2: So the biggest issue I think that we have is a lack of understanding from the the vendors who sell to enterprise IT about what we're really doing, what our mission is, what our objectives are, and how we work. For 40 years, we've had something called IT portfolio management, which essentially gives us a range of tools, technologies, operating options that we can mix and match just like a stock portfolio to meet business condition changes and things like that. And and because we like that mix, um, it's very, very hard for us to go all in with any one model, any one method, any one system, any one technology. And also because everything we do is in support of our companies. Well, things change in the market, things change in business. And so what we want is we want to be able to execute on a mixed portfolio of technologies and tools and systems at any one time. Today, that mix is called hybrid cloud, a little bit on premise, a little bit in public cloud, some in private cloud, sort of this mix of technologies, tools, et cetera. And then we want the applications that we use to be mobile. Uh, So, you know, if I start working with one vendor and their pricing is draconian or they no longer can scale or they don't work in a, a country where I want them to work, then I want to be able to move my application to another vendor or augment the application in some way. And there are a class of vendors who typically sell to enterprise IT who like us to buy into their entire platform play. Mm -hmm. They like us to buy into their pricing model and to sign up for multiple years. And then everything else we do is dependent on that substrate. And for us, um, we can't be locked in that way. Um, We can't just have one stock in the portfolio, else it would just be stock. It wouldn't be a portfolio. And so the ideal model for CIOs and the one that we talk about wanting is this hybrid model where we have a mix of plays and puts and calls and, and we can mix those things up However, we have very few vendors and very few applications that support us that way. That's one of the reasons I came to Nutanix is because we explicitly make a hybrid cloud operating system. We explicitly enable that, that application mobility. However, lots of my peers either haven't heard of us or you know they they have some reluctance to adopt or they might be locked into multi-year contracts. And so we talk about that kind of thing all the time how frustrated we are that um look you know part of our employee population wants to use google part wants to use microsoft um we would be happy to enable that but the vendors themselves make that near impossible yeah absolutely right and so um you know i'm kind of the crazy one in the bunch um <laughs> i i really really am but but for me i think about um our workforce of the future. I know you haven't asked me about that, but can you tell I can riff forever on anything? Let's Sorry. keep rolling. Right, got, no, uh,
1: got no qualms for me.
2: So I I recently saw a statistic that says that by uh, 2026, maybe 2030, 70% of our workforce will be either um, Gen Z or millennial. Yeah. Right? So those folks, these are the employees that IT enables. And this, these are also the people who create the productivity for, for businesses. They have not experienced the world of laptops and desktop computers or even mainframes. Everything for them is mobile devices. And those mobile devices, you know, are not a phone, right? It's, it's where they do everything. The, the device makes the sort of platform part of everything invisible, and they're used to, if I want an app, I I get the app. Um, but, but there's no crazy thinking like, um, well, you know, uh, say, Bob, I downloaded Twitter on my mobile phone. And so that is my standard for social networking. And thus, there's no way I would ever use Facebook or any other social networking tool because it's my standard. That's crazy talk. Yeah. But they come into IT world. They come into corporate America or corporate anywhere, and suddenly it's, No, I'm sorry. You can either choose a Mac or a PC. You can only use, you know, Microsoft or something else. We have one collaboration platform that you must all use. Guess what? Those folks who are filling out our workforce will find that to be that environment to be less productive and less delightful and less creative than the most basic tools they have mostly for free and in their real lives IT as a sport, IT as a function will, will die if that's all we can provide. But enterprise IT has very few consumer-like, platform-agnostic, portable, hybrid tools to deploy at scale inside of our companies. And, you know, crossing that chasm between the sort of the ease and the simplicity of consumer tech to this other world of, you know, enterprise IT, um, it's a huge chasm for most of the workforce to to cross in the next ten years.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. We uh, we went on our company offsite. Um, I think it was two years ago, and uh, I was driving a few of our employees, and uh, they were all younger employees, and I was like, "Hey, where should we go eat?" And uh, they were going on, uh, I was like, just go on Yelp. And one of them was like, ah, oh, I have to download it. And I'm like, you just download it. Like, it's not a big deal. Yeah. He's like, yeah, but it'll mess up. Like, then that's, I don't want to be on a second screen. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And, uh, and he's yeah. like, okay, fine. So he download, downloads it. And then like two days later, I'm like, Hey, where should we go eat? Just like find something like, how would I know where that is? Like, just find somewhere on Yelp. He's like, well, I deleted it. I'm like, why'd you delete it? <laughs> and he's like, I don't want that taking up space. I'm like, it does. It takes up like no space. Right, right. Uh, and he's like, well, it takes up space in my mind. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But, so but right. there are a lot of, a lot of younger people that delete, like take an app, download it on their phone then right. delete it immediately after using it and would rather go re-delete it. And anyways, it's an anecdote, but I think it speaks to the larger idea of like this, this concept of shadow IT and governance and how do you do yeah. these things? Because if you're talking about people who, uh, and you know, billions of and billions and billions of dollars are being deployed to companies mm-hmm. to figure out how to decrease the time in which someone can test and use your product, but the converse is also true because they can get off of your product extremely quickly if they don't like it. So if that is the current mindset of, Hey, I'm going to be able to switch kind of like the idea, like the swipe right generation, if that's the case, then like building flexibility and mobility is more important than saying like, uh, we're locked in a four year, you know, cloud contract with our cloud vendor, which doesn't really help us and might get me fired.
2: Exactly. So, and you know, uh, whether it's the folks who are in senior leadership and in larger companies who are the ones who do most of the buying and, you know, so on, right? Or whether it's leaders of these enterprise IT vendors, um, they're so last generation, mm-hmm. right? Um, they, they, they don't have the ability to conceive of how, um, you know, the workforce of five years from now will prefer to be productive. And so we have to transform right away. But also we can't leave behind the other parts of our workforce who like things the way they like it as well, right? The, and so, you know, it gets to um, whether it's diversity of workforce in terms of age, whether it's diversity of tool set, diversity of cloud, diversity of consumption models. Um, we really, really need those things to be enabled as, as, a, as an ecosystem play, right it's it's beyond just a platform it's beyond just an organism it's about an ecosystem yeah. and at the moment you know the 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 large traditional it vendors are you know, like uh, dinosaurs were after you know mammals came, yeah. um, right? You know, the, the little mammals are running around. They're going like, yeah, you know, swat those guys away. We don't need those guys, right? But meanwhile, they're eating an unfair share of of the resources of that ecosystem. And in the end, you know, for any number of reasons, probably because they smoked, um, they <laughs> die out. And what's left are you know the little mammals, right? Um, who who then who then can coexist with the resources available, and the world is rapidly um, getting to that moment. Um, I think about Pokemon Go.
1: Yeah, we had this CTO on. So. Yeah, really? Yeah. Oh,
2: ah, my hero. Um, you know, Pokemon Go, right? Um, like any other app, it had to be deployed. It had to be downloaded. It had to be deployed. Um, and then folks had to figure out how to use it, right? Um,
1: I think they were doing a million downloads a second.
2: Exactly. The level of adoption, the level of downloads was was. Just awe inspiring. And, you know, nobody had to like view a series of 10, you know, five minute snippet videos to show them the, you know, workings of the tool. There wasn't some campaign around adoption. Um, We didn't pay anything for this thing right? But within, you know, a few minutes, we were, you know, catching all the Pokemon we could, right? Um, the gestures made sense. It worked on our our, our choice of device. Um, I'm one of these people who has, you know, a Google phone, a, an Apple phone, a Android phone. Uh, it worked in all those stuff. You know, it worked yeah. on everything, right? And so that level of, of elegance and ease and interaction design is completely absent anything that IT delivers. And, you know, we're sitting here across from each other and you have in front of you a laptop computer, which is probably not how you conduct most of the interesting stuff in your world, um, except for when you need to type something. And and there we get to, you know, um, gosh, we need more excellence in natural language processing and, and some of those other things that, that, you know, today we have to use keyboards. We have well, to use. Well,
1: mine voice. turns into a tablet. So. Does it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You really? fold it, See, fold it uh, backwards. All right.
2: That's convertible. Uh, well, then that's super cool. I know, right? But you're already old school. You know that.
1: Yeah, I know. Well, so the <laughs> thing that's great is that it, it stands up so I can read from it far away. Not that I would ever be reading my questions off of No, a, off certainly a keyboard,
2: not. Here. But what is the next thing you have there?
1: Uh, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so, Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because, um, you know, I I think that one of the things that kind of is the next generation of this idea is not just that people are leveraging applications, it's that they're building their own. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is one of the things that, you know, we've worked a bunch with Salesforce platform uh, in, you know, talking about and evangelizing is this idea of like, internal employees and like building things and yeah. how empowering that is. Yeah. And, you know, before this call, we were talking about diversity and inclusion and, and how to, uh, how to do that sort of stuff. But I, I really think that, you know, employee empowerment starts with like when someone sees a problem around them mm-hmm. and they can do a hackathon or something like that, they right. have an outlet to drive innovation. Uh, I say this all the time on the podcast, but you know, Eric Reese, who are a lean startup defines innovation as like the speed in which an idea can get from any employee all the way to the CEO and back down. And I always yeah. thought that that's such an interesting way of looking at things. And if you as an organization don't have means in which your employees can innovate, then like, how could you, right? So mm-hmm. I'm curious, like what are your thoughts on employee innovation, whether it's app development or, or otherwise?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, um, years ago I worked at Yahoo and, mm-hmm. um, a guy named, uh, Chad Dickerson and I, uh, brought the first hack day to anywhere. Um, and and our thought was that we would um, give employees the ability to speak truth to power. Mm-hmm. That was at, at the core of this idea that we would um, allow people who were sitting there working hard quietly, but who knew there was a better way to do something to be able to have access to systems in order to do that thing. And the idea about, hack in general is it's not just talking about doing things, it's actually having enough access to do things. Um, And and there's a great story related to that, um, that sort of up levels from just pure tech. So uh, one year we, um, you know, the musician Beck reached out to us Mm -hmm. and said, I've heard about this hack thing you're doing. And I really, really think it's cool, and um, I want to do that with my music. And so, um, what he did is he sort of like de- deconstructed um, the mixes to his songs and and made all the tracks and the and the performances available. And that was one of the elements of our hackathon was um, allowing people to put together um, the the music in different ways. Oh wow! Um, and and you know the thing is. Um, the difference between, you know, invention and innovation, right? Invention is, you know, creating something that never before existed from, you know, things that that maybe you've had to to make from hand. Innovation is taking things that already exist and putting them together in, in different ways. Yeah, um, complex to, geez, coordination. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so hack is is the root of that. It's it's the 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 seed of that. And the more that we engage in activities like that, even if they're about music, they don't have to be about tech, um, then the more we begin to, to think creatively in that way. And so I think um, having hack days and hackathons um, is sort of a great you know, visual, um, impactful exercise. But we also have to create that ability day to day to take team members, to take people um, mm-hmm. and put them together in different ways yeah um, to take uh, technologies and processes and put them together in different ways and sort of at every layer um, when when you engage in that activity when you when you you know, start sort of mixing um, and changing up the recipe a little bit. Um, You know, sometimes you create something terrible, but other times (laughs) you create something amazing. And as long as, you know, that other aspect of fail fast, right? If it's terrible, you know, uh, do what you do with, you know, sour milk, spit it out, move on. How Um, much sour milk are you drinking? (laughs) Ah, We could talk about probiotics. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I am particularly excited by this mindset in general. Um, I have a, a team of, I think, truly um, diverse, different ages, backgrounds, ethnicities, uh, genders, um, life choices, um, experience, you know, leadership team. And we often mix up how the organizational structure works, um, how job roles are defined in order to see if maybe this latest, uh, you know, variation on a theme is uh, delightful, helps us to accomplish something new. And then when you think about even how technology works, uh, so, you know, IT is, is a really cool um, group. I, as you can tell, I, I love IT. Um, you know, we are engineers, but we're not just engineers. We are also people who, who live and breathe and speak about operational excellence. So we're this conjunction of technology talent, engineering talent and operational talent, people who have to create a process. We can't stand it. We it's it's look, it's first your socks, then your shoes. If you (laughs) do it the other way, it's inefficient, right? We care about that kind of thing. So um, when it comes to that's a great automating. ad
1: campaign. <laughs> you get to get a bunch of people walking around with socks outside their shoes, <laughs>
2: right? Yeah, and then like needs IT, yeah, right. right. <laughs> so, at the front of it all is this notion that um, we should automate things, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you know, a terrible process automated is a terrible process, yeah, right. Well, the people who know how to optimize are people who do things almost unconsciously. If you look at someone who is a, an experienced knitter, for example, versus a newbie, the experienced knitter, I mean, their, their hands are almost artistic, right? Mm -hmm. There's, there's, there's tons of tiny little course corrections that are happening there. And muscle memory. And and muscle memory and all that. Well, that's true of people who operate technology. And so- you don't want to automate the technology. You want to automate that, that beautiful, fluid, performant, and many times unique just to one particular company or one particular division process. So the people who should automate are most of the time these people who have that engineering and operational expertise, but they have two problems. First of all, they're super busy. Um, they're, they're lost in KTLO, keep the lights on activities. And second of all, they're not very good at writing code. And so this is where um, tools that, that augment our skills, whether yeah. those tools be uh, things like, um, you know, super easy programming languages like uh Workato or um machine learning tools. I'm not talking about super sophisticated AI, yeah. right? I'm talking about tools that can just inspect a documented process and and at first recreate it. Yeah, but we
1: we just had UiPath on talking about exactly uh, RPA. So. Yes, yeah.
2: exactly so. And so I think the real answer to your question is you have these diverse teams and talent who are who are creating um, this, this collection of functionality and optimized processes using technology, but then you augment them with um, the very best writers of code or machine instruction, which, which is, you know, machine learning tools. And so you know, go ahead and let your people write that first level of, you know, um, not very elegant, but, but precise automation, but then let the machine refine it. Yeah. And when the machine refines it, um, it, it the, the resulting code is more specialized and it's more um, performant than any of the um, commercially available tools that we have today and i have lots of examples of where we're doing things like that in in nutanix and yeah actually let's
1: let's do that fun. let's let's go down the rabbit hole there mm-hmm. a little bit like i'd love to know what does a typical like customer use case look like when you yeah. you know whether a jetblue or somebody like that comes to you and 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 wants to explore ideas
2: yeah well um usually when i speak to a peer and i i won't mention any company by name but usually when i speak to a peer um you know they are in some mode of um, spending a great deal of resource and capacity on keep the lights on. yeah, um so you know it might be we call um, it
1: ticket taking mentality a lot on the show.
2: yes, exactly, yes. Yeah. so and, and if they were to measure and often i'll I'll help them with some tools to measure, but if they were to measure, they would discover um an average of about seventy percent of their all of their capacity is is just. Um, maintaining the things they have. Um, and most it professionals, we imagine ourselves to be enablers of business. and perhaps you know some of us uh, you know think we could aid in you know digital transformation. But the fact is that's not you know the the where all of the emphasis is it's just basically, you know, making sure the network doesn't break and, you know, that email arrives and, you know, hopefully that the ERP and CRM systems kind of work. And, you know, there was a, you know, starting 10 years ago, we adopted SaaS and public cloud and so on. But we we don't really manage a lot of that. Um, if there are issues or outages, we we don't have a lot of tools for that. And so we're sort of in this this quagmire of just... Um, sort of half-conceived, almost quite right technologies that require tons of care and feeding just in order to barely enable the business. Um, And so when we're alone and no one (laughs) else is listening, you know, we'll say, I'm exhausted you know, just had another outage, just worked through Thanksgiving, just, you know, pulled an all-nighter um, because we're, you know, we're doing this over here that we're supposed to, um, that, that's, that's public facing, that looks great. But behind the scenes, you know, we, we are, you know, we're rowing the boat while we're building the airplane. Like it's super, super painful. And so usually what I share is just, you know, first of all, we need to create some way to, to buy capacity for ourselves, to create more capacity for ourselves. Usually, I mean, we're, we're a cost center. Um, all of the enablement of business is usually a cost center. And so, you know, we have to operate inside the box of our budget. And, and, you know, there, there are limited resources. So if we want to do something new or transformational, we have to find that capacity, and whether it's money or people, inside of, of that closed system. So to find that, we have to get more efficient at what we're doing. Well, a great candidate place to get more efficient is that 70%, right? Um, we're less efficient doing new things, but that 70% is pretty finely tuned. However, um, most of it isn't, Fully autonomous, mm-hmm. and so that's the place where we have opportunity. The first thing I talk about is getting the substrate uh, managed, and to manage the substrate, it helps. It's not required, but it helps to have a a single management plane, a single um, you know operating system, a a single set of tools that everyone in the team knows how to operate. So. At Nutanix, we have uh, standardized on um, AOS, which is our operating system, plus AHV, which is our uh, virtual machine. And everyone in my teams, whether they're network engineers, system engineers, client engineers, app engineers, they are familiar with, they know that environment. So, for example, we just moved three large-scale data centers um, out of state to somewhere else where we pay less tax. (laughs) And um, when we did that, the team came to me and they said, we don't want to run Cisco uh, at our core anymore um, for our core networking. Uh, We want to run a software-defined network. And we want to run that software-defined network on commodity hardware, on AOS plus AHV, and just buying that um, will will cost 90% less than we told you, right? So we're gonna save 90% on, on the CapEx we had planned. And operating will be a different a different thing because we don't need CCIEs to operate anymore, or at least a, a couple of them. You know, there's usually like one or two, and then everybody else, you know, waits for them to interpret, right? Um it's, it's our regular DC Ops people who can run these things because it's just this commodity hardware. Um, you know, we're running Splunk for our, uh, our SOC. It's, uh, we're not running, you know, that expensive Splunk that's in the cloud where you have to be parsimonious about how much data you use. No, we're actually running it on commodity hardware. AOS plus AHV, it's running certified on that, and so you know, I, you know, Nutanix, like we got a lot of storage available. So we're collecting all the data, which is then helping to inform the algorithms and and the machine learning and so on. And so we we start to create this kind of common environment that's that's less complex to um, manage. And then on top of that, we've begun to prioritize, um, frankly, the things we do the worst. So we measure two things. We measure something called FTR, which stands for first time right. It comes from lean programming. So we have a sort of an ideal description of optimal workflow and optimal interaction design for everything we deliver. And we, we measure every time we deliver everything against that optimal description. And if we get it exactly perfect, uh, you score a one. And if we miss anything, it's a zero. And so then we stack rank, you know, the, the worst um, all the way to the best. We also measure NPS, net promoter score. Sure. And um, we use a, a little tool from a little Australian company called CIO Pulse. Um, there's like three guys or six guys or something. Um, and every interaction we measure NPS. And then we prioritize those services where both the FTR and the NPS is the worst. And by the way, like people hate IT. Like there's yep, some yep. stupid stuff we do, you know that, that that's hard and complex and but it doesn't matter. Like the way it translates to people is just they 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 just wish us dead. You know, I I didn't know till we started measuring NPS that you could get scores and the negative numbers. Did you even know that? I've no. never like seen anyone publish that. Obviously, um, you can get down to minus one forty. I've learned. <laughs> Anyhow, we were doing Gosh. some of that, and so those those things that we're delivering that we we struggle with process we st- struggle with execution um, even when we when we do that like the style sucks and people hate us those things are the very best candidates for modern technologies and digital transformation if, if you will totally um, so the problem I think that most IT departments have is that they look at something huge like, all help desk ticketing, or the network, and they say, I'm going to transform and fix that whole thing. But I decided we're just gonna choose the worst thing we do, and we're just gonna fix that thing. That tiny thing will be the thing we point the machine learning at, we point the natural language processing at, et cetera. And so we started doing that. And as we started doing that, we started transforming how efficient we were at, at our work. And um, today we have about 35-ish percent of all of the services we deliver are now delivered fully autonomously. We have uh, really high NPS scores, especially for those services. We have um, also a, a sort of a capacity improvement, sort of like a An emotional thing. Um, Our people have more capacity and are more engaged because they're not banging their heads against the brick wall. Um, And so today, you know, we have found within ourselves um, tons of capacity, reduced that KTLO tremendously, reduced um, sort of the friction around delivering services and the complexity of delivering services. And we did all of that inside the container of our budget. So we spend about Half of what we used to as a percentage of the, the company's total budget, even though the company is doubling and tripling in size, our team has grown 21% when the company's grown, you know, more than 400% during a similar time period. Wow. Um, we're spending less. Um, those things are impossible in most, you know, IT departments and most companies. But they are possible if you sort of break it down a layer at a time, a piece at a time, and and just augment, you know, use special tools, you know, find something that makes the first layer of automation simple, find something that, um, can, can, you know, tune that, you know, people created automation and make it performant. Um, and do that a piece at a time. And so now today, you know, we spend time as an organization, um, focused on supporting and helping other IT organizations because we have capacity for that.
1: Yeah. And with the same best practices, Mm -hmm. I imagine.
2: Right. I mean, we we literally say, please copy, use that, do that. I think it's, it's, you know, a tremendous advantage, quite frankly.
1: So what is the typical like before and after look like after you've been working with someone, I'd imagine it's, it's pretty nice to be able to get uh, some Wendy time on the calendar uh, every now and then to just pick (laughs) your brain. But beyond that, from a product standpoint, what's the before and after look like?
2: Yeah. um, The most profound change uh, has to do with having a common operating system. So with a common operating system, we can choose for example, any hardware, any server hardware that we want. So let's say we've been uh, buying from Dell, and that's been good for us, but now we're having trouble with uh, delivery, and we, you know, would like to buy from HP. No problem. This is not a complete redo. We don't have to redo our standard and do a hardware refresh and, you know, replace everything else. Um, we just also run on HP. We also run on IBM Power. We also run on Lenovo. Uh, Operating in GCP, no problem. We also run in AWS. That sort of flexibility creates just a different way of making decisions. And so now decisions are made on, um, you know, price, availability, ease of use, ease of support, etc., and across all of that is the substrate of a common operating system. And so it's it's truly enabling that hybrid cloud model. So what starts to happen is that IT departments are spending less time trying to make legacy things keep working because that's the only thing that runs that app. Um, Spending less time saying, well, we're stuck on, you know, vendor island A and therefore we can't even enable this cool new thing. Um, All of that decision making that's a huge chunk of the traditional portfolio management process becomes incredibly simplified. And so now what we're focused on is enablement. As soon as our, you know, a customer, a colleague of mine starts focusing on enablement, it's very easy to express what needs to be done and and in in a prioritized order. And it sounds like a business conversation. Yeah. It suddenly doesn't sound like an infrastructure conversation or even a cloud conversation. It sounds like a business conversation. You know, we need to upgrade our, our ERP system because this one isn't scaling. Or, hey, everything that we're doing in all of our buildings, you know, the network's slow or, you know, gosh, you know, our competitors have gone through some sort of digital transformation and you can get their stuff online and you can't for us, what should we do? So they start focusing on that. And as soon as they focus on that layer, then, you know, honestly, they should pause and measure whatever they're doing now Hmm. because it's really easy to, um, sort of, especially with agile methodologies, et cetera, to kind of get caught in incrementalism, right. Um, in, in a good way, right. You know, we're making small improvements, small improvements, small improvements, and all of a sudden you, 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 you know, you turn around and your teenage son is taller than you. Like, when did that happen? Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like that in IT um, where, you know, we're working on these small improvements, these iterative improvements, and then we kind of forget where we came from. Yeah. So, um, the main thing that I'll, that I'll say to the customers I, I speak with is look, first of all, before you deploy, deploy the operating system, before you deploy the hypervisor, measure. How long does it take you to build a system, to upgrade a system? Uh, how long does it take to you know, create a cluster if you're doing that, or to spin up a VM in the cloud if you're doing that? And what process is, is ahead of that? Is there, are there multiple manual steps? Um, how are you measuring performance afterwards? Like Make sure you take that baseline. And then the, the most inefficient components of that are the ones that you focus on first, right? Because that, that builds more capacity. Secondly then, once you get that substrate solid and and flexible, then the next thing is, um, what are the most impactful business operations that you can transform? And um, there are numerous uh, tools and technologies available to do those things. Um, Most of them have some characteristics in common. Uh, You know, they're easy to integrate. um, They have a great interaction design. Um, they have some, you know, self-service or, or interaction component. They usually nowadays have some, you know, machine learning component, et cetera. But now they can start to implement those things specifically. And so what I say is um, create this sort of virtuous cycle of creating capacity in, in your, your core and then using that capacity to to focus on prioritized tasks. So as an example, a colleague that I have been uh, talking to and working with for um, the last year or so, uh, work uh, for a cybersecurity company, and they went from having a large team A few hundred um, employees focused on, you know, just the basics, you know, delivering a laptop to a new employee when they showed up for work the first day, making sure the apps worked, um, you know, uh, security uh, scanning and, you know, those sorts of things. They went from that to focused on truly impactful business facing things um, giving their employees uh, the ability to work from home, work from anywhere securely, um, some of those things, you know, use whatever mobile device they wanted, et cetera. And so for them also, they saved money. It's those measurements, right? They saved money, they saved uh, time and capacity. And it's, there's a big leap uh, when you when you deploy this common operating system hypervisor especially for companies that have some legacy and have some, you know, three-tier architecture, multiple vendors, you know, two guys to manage this storage array and two other guys to manage that storage array. And, you know, this whole suite of, you know, specialists who manage network and all of that stuff uh, sort of simplifies. And then secondly, um, you stop worrying about you know, how the combustion engine works and you start worrying about driving the race. Yeah, Um, And that's a huge transformation. IT people are still great at that. I'll speak about Nutanix in particular, as we've gone through this transformation of using our own technology, which we weren't doing, we call it drinking our own champagne, and now we are. As we went through that transformation and then we started, um, you know, using the the modern technologies um, and and really um, becoming efficient, one of the things we noticed is that we had more time to interact with people. And so uh, one of the things we created was a bot. Um, and everything at Nutanix is Xbot. so it's uh, is X, so we call it Xbot. And um, Xbot, deals with you know roughly 30 35% of everything that employees need from IT autonomously really yeah so they it's it you know in slack they can just go into slack it's all natural language processing um and and they love it they love it they love it um we just we have you know this incoming stream of positive comments um from our nps surveys about wow i love xbot it has a sense of humor you know he's so funny she's so cool so that's happening But meanwhile, you know, a lot of people are afraid. Are you getting rid of the people? No, we're not getting rid of people. It's kind of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Once you take care of all the stuff that used to be crappy, that like we weren't doing well, but you had to wait, you know, weeks for things. Well, then people start um, actually caring about more of the nuanced things. And so we ended up deploying uh, at our headquarters and elsewhere um, kind of like an Apple genius bar style, um, you know, genius bar. Um, we call it X-Bar because everything at Nutanix has an X. Um, and, you know, we made a nice space, right? There's, you know, a barista and coffee and, you know, TVs and so on. Um, we instrumented X-Bar with our own technology. So we have um, something called XI IoT um, so that when a person walks into the space, um, we can, through facial recognition, recognize who they are Um, And we can match that to, uh, you know, their record in ServiceNow and find out that, you know, okay, that's Bob Smith and, you know, he just got a new laptop. And so when Bob walks up to the counter, the genius, you know, person at the counter says, hey, Bob, how are you doing? Nice to see you. How's the new PC working out? Now, everyone in the company knows that it's our technology doing that, and yeah. you know, a collection of technologies doing that, but it still feels like magic. It just does. Yeah, it feels course. personal, it feels amazing. And so now we, we're seeing more and more interaction at our genius bars, at our X bars, and we're seeing a higher level of question, of conversation, of sharing information, uh, much more nuanced uh, uh, questions about productivity and so we're we're working on the measurements but we actually are starting to see Productivity gains in our, you know, sales organization, yeah. um, in our engineering organization, um, you know, again, like we, we care a lot about measurement here, and there's probably, you know, different ways to to slice it, but but overall, at least as people are reporting it, um, they're becoming more productive, and and we um, are part of an overall uh, focus on developer productivity, um, just by sort of this model. And so that's also something that we're able to um, share with other companies and replicate with them. So if you look at, you know, man, a whole host of Nutanix customers, um, whether it's JetBlue or, uh, you know, uh, Tractor Supply Company, uh, um, you know, uh, the folks at Home Depot, like on and on it goes. um, Lots of these folks that I work with, um, they are able to focus on that customer facing experience as well, rather than focusing on that lower level, you know, how do we just make sure that the inventory systems don't break? How do we make sure that, you know, we can upgrade this thing? You know, thankfully, you know, if you're a US company, Thanksgiving four-day weekend comes along once a year yep. and you can do the four-day upgrades. You know, I, I, I remember um, getting a, a note from a customer in the Midwest and, and he said, you know, my whole team and I, Um, our home, experiencing the first Thanksgiving at home with our families that we've experienced in a decade. That's unbelievable. Right? I mean, because all of those things become simpler when frankly, like the vendors get out of the way and just let IT do what we do, which is use technology in operationally efficient ways. Um, and we just need more vendors who get out of the way. When, when Nutanix says we make infrastructure invisible, we don't mean make IT invisible. We, may, we mean get out of the way so that we can operate using technology. And, and you know the technology that's interesting is not the infrastructure, right? It's, it's that cool stuff on top. I'm seeing that happen again and again. I've probably uh, spoken with 400 CIOs this calendar year. Um, and I'm seeing that transformation happen again and again. Obviously, uh, you know, we've been talking through it, not just with our technology. Our technology, thankfully, is in the mix, but there, but many, many technologies, many from the consumer space, many built from the ground up, purpose built for this sort of hybrid cloud model. Um, they are transforming either IT or if IT won't use them, then other elements of the business. Right. And, and that's pretty exciting to me.
1: Yeah. That's incredible. What a great, I mean, I love that North star uh, yeah, NPS stuff is like, how do you keep the lights on first? You need to ask everyone if their lights are on. Right. Like, <laughs>
2: right. Do they have light? Yeah. Can yeah. they see the light? Exactly. Um, I have this great Slack channel where um, all of the comments from our surveys just roll in. And um, I, I, just would love to just read some verbatim comments. It's not even scary at all. You would think that'd be a scary thing. So these are just um, survey results. And, you know, they are uh, just, you know, what was the problem and and what did we do and kind of what was the outcome? And they're super uh, easy to read. So here's one that says, um, great service, very quick and simple, super fast service and easy to use, quick response and resolution. You guys rock. You stay on top of all of our services. Uh, Patching Windows domain controllers was automatic, um, a working solution was provided. This is so cool. You know, it just, That's incredible. Like they're just, they just roll in. I'm literally yeah, reading, you can verify through. it. Right. <laughs> um, and, and along the way they'll say things like, you know, wow, um, X bot rocks. We really like that. Or, you know, talk to Joe at the X bar and it was really cool. Um, I love that kind of thing. That's yeah. that's it's it's so empowering and so enabling, and and this is also something that we've shared with other IT uh, departments. A lot of folks are now starting to use these technologies, yeah, um, just to get that instant feedback. It, it's super painful at first, but ultimately it it pays off. It, it, it's a big deal. You know, we we love this thing now. We love to to read it. Um, you know, the reason for the score was the exceptional service that I was provided when I forgot my laptop at home. People were helpful and informative, and I got access without actually having to wait. And you know, we're we're not um, cutting corners. We just have some help.
1: I love that. And feedback is a gift, right? And it has to be something that your organization prioritizes, you know? It's like it's nowhere near, like reading bad reviews is nowhere near as painful as the (laughs) alternative is like nobody sharing how bad it is. No reviews.
2: Exactly. And that's what happens mostly to most IT departments. First of all, they're invisible. I mean, CIOs like like myself, you know, I sat in a forum uh, a couple of nights ago where folks were complaining, you know, why don't we have a seat at the table or we kind of have a seat at the table. And one of the guys was hilarious. He said, we don't have a seat at the table because it, like when we get to the table, it's like inviting your like, you know, drunken uncle. <laughs> like, you know, we, we, we're not like good company. All we do is sort of complain and we're exhausted and all we talk about is our stuff. And, you know, having a seat at the table where you're saying, look at this, you know, we, we are truly doing well. For the company, these are delighted, productive, happy employees who aren't waiting an hour or a day for the basics, but are getting those things immediately in the same way as they would on a consumer device. That's what we're trying to do, and and we're doing it. You know, yeah.
1: I mean, and it it reminds me of the of Juan Perez from UPS when we were, we were talking to him, and he said that you know he found something that was a huge business problem that could save the company like $500,000 a year mm-hmm. or something like that. And like came to them was like, this is how much it would cost. This is how much we would save. Like, here you go. And he's yes. like, I was like, you never get it. Nobody is mad that you're at the table when you're bringing solutions.
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly. And in fact, they, they want you. And, and then if you also bring fun stuff, I have to say like, we're all human beings in companies yeah. and and so, just adding a little element of fun—like nobody ever talks about this in IT—but um, ultimately, we're we're enabling people to work, to be productive, to to come together to do things that that you know maybe haven't been done before, to scale in ways that haven't been scaled before, and you know, energy makes energy and um, positive energy uh, makes positive outcomes. And so there needs to be some element of that in our environments and in uh, the way that we work and uh, the way that our technology enables us. There needs to be just some layer of um, positivity, humor, um, enjoyment in, in um, the environments and the tools and the ways that we work, I think.
1: Speaking of fun and humor and positivity, Mm -hmm. let's get into our lightning round questions. Oh my gosh. Okay. These questions are fast, fun, and easy. Okay. Just like the Salesforce platform, lightning fast, fun, (laughs) and easy. You can go to salesforce.com slash employee experience to learn more about lightning fast Salesforce platform. Lightning questions. Wendy, are you ready?
2: I was born ready.
1: Number one, what app on your phone is the most fun? Akinator. What's that?
2: Oh, it's super fun. Uh, I can show you if you want. Well,
1: I mean, uh, give me the log line here.
2: Um, So Akinator allows you to um, think of a character, uh, real or imagined, any time in history. And without telling it, um, it will ask you a series of questions and will within short order guess uh, who you were thinking about, even if you never say it out loud.
1: Oh, it's like 21 questions or whatever. Yes, yeah, that's it is. really fun. And it's
2: basically just uh, machine learning, but it feels totally magic. And I will show you afterwards.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite one day getaway here in the Bay Area?
2: Mm. Uh, the Dream Inn in Santa Cruz.
1: What is your favorite TV show, podcast, or book that you've? watched or listened to, read recently?
2: I love Jane the Virgin. I love Matt John Madden's podcasts. And I am currently um, addicted to culinary mysteries.
1: What do you do for fun?
2: Well, I have two kids and I do a lot of fun things with them that I might not normally otherwise <laughs> do. But I'm also the parent the whole time. So, um... It's a super hard question right now because it's all sort of mixed up, but I love video games. I think that's the the short answer. And I love car races. Favorite game? Mm, probably Forza right now.
1: Favorite thing to cook or eat?
2: I love to cook. Um, I love to bake. Probably my most enjoyable baking experience is Christmas cookie baking. Ooh,
1: Christmas cookies. Are yeah. Fun. I love Christmas cookies. Yeah. What is your best advice for a first-time CIO?
2: Remember that you serve at the will of the business and relax about the technology and focus on the business.
1: What question do you never get asked that I did not ask you today that you wish you were asked more often?
2: do you want some bacon now?
1: (laughs) Do you want some bacon?
2: (laughs) I do. I I live in a state of wanting bacon.
1: (laughs) I love it. Me too. Wendy, thanks so much for hanging out. We really appreciate it. We got to have you back soon. This is just too much fun.
0: Awesome. It was fun for me too. Thank you.
1: Take care.
2: Okay.
0: Thanks again to our friends at Salesforce. Did you know Salesforce isn't just for sales? Using Salesforce as an employee experience platform helps make every employee across your organization more productive thanks to a common mobile first platform for getting work done faster. Find out more at salesforce.com employeeexperience employee experience.